0: 40 years ago when Becky went to worship with me for the very first time. Um, we went out on our first date on January 13th, 1972, which just happened to be this last Friday. She already had a date Saturday night, which I don't understand. But, <laughs> but then she had go to church with me on, on Sunday, and it's, it's been the deal ever since. And such a good deal for Becky. Um, <laughs> married to such a humble man. Um, there's, thank you. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> you understand why I just said that part in a, in a minute. The part about humility. Uh, but you know what we did? So we actually, this is in Fargo, North Dakota. And uh, where, we went on <clears throat> where we went on our date was... Uh, a restaurant called Mexican Village. I, I think we had enchiladas. So what Becky did Friday night was, I love this, I came home, she made tacos and lemon pie. Isn't that great? And I love, let me tell you, I love tacos. And uh, so I just thought, you know, it's pretty cool. Pretty, so, you know, I, I bought next day I bought her a dozen roses. You know, again, I'm just telling you that. So, you know, what a good person I am. Okay. Okay. Anybody here? I'm sure you have. You've used that phrase, first things first, right? Whenever, whenever we say first things first, what we mean is that, you know, I've got a big job to do and there's a whole bunch of things I've got to do, but before I even begin doing anything, there's, there's one thing that I've got to do that's just going to set everything else up so that I, that I, you know, I, I do it right, I you know, I'm, I'm effective with my time, and, and the end result is that I accomplish what, what I hope to accomplish. What I'm putting in front of us today is that if there's ever any aspect of our life where this is absolutely critical, it's in, it's in our spiritual life. Whatever it is we want to be, and whatever we want to do throughout our life spiritually, you know, what, what we want to accomplish is we look to the hope, you know, the end of our life. What we've got to do to make that happen is we've got to put first things first. Now this morning, we're, we're coming uh, to a passage of scripture where we see the greatest example. I, I would just say the greatest example of humility that we'll, we'll find anywhere. It's given to us by the Apostle Paul in the second chapter of his letter to the Philippians. And of course, it's about Jesus Christ and he gives it to inspire each one of us to a life of humility that you and I would want, that we'd have reason, we'd want to be humble in our relationship with one another, in, in our relationship with everybody. So we're stepping into a a very wonderful passage of Scripture. But but before we do, it's critical that you and I understand that that before what we look at today is going to have any impact on our life, We've, we've got to do this thing. We've got to put first things first. And first thing first for each one of us is what I've talked about the last two Sundays. In the first chapter of Philippians, it's deciding how we're going to define our life. It's deciding what is it that's more important to us than anything else. It's the the number one thing that we live for. It's the one thing that makes life worth living regardless of what happens. Now, we've seen this. You read the first 26 verses of Philippians and you can't miss seeing what it was that defined Paul's life, the, the man who wrote it. it, it all centered around the word gospel. A word that he repeated several times throughout the verses, and we saw this last, last two Sundays in verse 3. For example, he said this, I, I thank my God every time I remember you, and you know, all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the what? The gospel from the first day until now. And then in verse 7, he said, It's right for me to feel this way about all of you since I have you in my heart. For whether I am in chains or defending and confirming the what the gospel, all of you share in God's grace with me. And then verse 12, the verse we looked at last Sunday that we started with, he said, Now I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. I'm going, to, I'm going to repeat what I said last Sunday because we've got to get this. It's so important. When, when the Apostle Paul thought of the gospel, he, he, he thought of something more than simply the, the, that you and I can have God's forgiveness and we can have the promise of eternal life as, as wonderful as that is and as important as that is. Paul thought of even something more that, that went beyond it. For, for the Apostle Paul, the gospel is everything that is true about Jesus Christ and what this means for every one of us. See, Paul was was convinced that Jesus Christ is the eternal Son of God, the creator of this universe, the one who who gives and sustains life, the the one who ultimately will come back to this earth as King of kings and Lord of lords, almighty God, the one to whom every knee will bow and every knee will confess that that he's God <laughs> and what mattered more to Paul than anything was for Jesus Christ to be known and honored for who he is this is what defined life for Paul and it's for others to know Christ as Savior and Lord and for their, for them to submit to him and whatever it took for this for him to help make this happen It was worth it, and it gave him this incredible sustaining joy no matter what. So, here's the deal, everybody. We've got a wonderful passage of scripture that we're going to look at today. I mean, it's one of the best, it's inspiring, it's challenging, it's motivating. But i got to tell you today, as we start this thing out, is that for it to impact our life, for you and I to hope that it's going to make any difference once we walk out of this place today, you and I have to do what Paul did. We, we have to have the same definition for our life. We've got to define our life the same way Paul did. And so let me ask you, do you define your life that your life is all about whatever Whatever it takes to make Jesus Christ Almighty God known to other people. Is, does it matter to you more than anything else that, that through your life what you say and, and how you live the, the gospel of Jesus Christ is advanced out into the world? You see, what I'm saying this morning is... If you haven't haven't landed on that one yet, man, land on it soon, you know? Don't let this week go by without making that decision, that commitment. yes, I want to define my life exactly the same way Paul defined his life. Okay? So, here's Paul's challenge to the Philippians and to us today. And, And he states it in verse 27. It's just very clear. He said, whatever happens... Conduct yourself in a manner worthy of the the what? The gospel of Christ. There it is again. Everything that's true about Jesus Christ and the difference that this should make in our life. Everything, who he is and what he's done. And what Paul is saying to us is live a life that shows others that you believe this. And we get the most, you and I have the most amazing message to tell other people. Everything that is true about who Jesus Christ is and everything that Jesus Christ has done. But for someone to believe what we're saying, for us to be credible messengers, our lives need to line up with what we say is true. People need to see the difference that Christ makes in how we live. They need to see us living like Christ. And so what we're talking about here today is humility. And you know, it's, it's, it's one of the easier sermons that I've ever had to prepare since I understand so well what it means to be humble. Joking, that's joke, okay? I've been doing that all week in the office, just driving people nuts. Like, i come out and give an example of my humility to the staff. They're really waiting for the sermon to be done, okay? So we're we're looking at 15 verses, the final four verses of of chapter 1 and the first 11 verses of chapter 2. And the key verse being verse 5 of chapter 2 where Paul wrote this. He said, Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus. Humility. That's that's what we're going to see. Later on we'll see The attitude of Christ was one of humility. You know what's interesting about humility? It's the one virtue that if you think you got it, you probably don't. (laughs) Right? There's an interesting description of Moses in the Old Testament book of Numbers in chapter 12 and verse 3. And it's a description that's given of him in the context that Right after he's getting criticized by his brother and sister for who he married. And and it's this description, okay? It says, now Moses was a very humble man. More humble than anyone else on the face of the earth. Wow, that's quite a compliment, isn't it? Isn't that, a, that's like, whoa, that, that's a big statement to make about anybody. I mean, we, we know that Moses was a great man of faith. I mean, God used him to lead the people of Israel out of slavery in Egypt. It was Moses that went on top of that mountain, and God gave him the Ten Commandments. It was Moses who wrote the first five books of the Bible. I mean, and now, now, now we, we read this, that, man, there was nobody else living on earth as humble as... as As Moses, wow. Who wrote the Book of Numbers? Moses. You know, do you think that means that he might not have been as humble as he said he was? You know, I mean, I'm not going to answer that one for you. This is one for you to talk about with your life group. This is one you can talk about as a family. Okay, you get home. It's it's true though, right? Those who think they're humble. Often aren't. It's a whole lot easier to tell if someone else is humble than than it is for us to tell if we're humble. You know. Beck and I some Saturday nights we, uh, and we actually listened to a bit of it last night as we ate dinner. Anybody ever listened to Garrison Keeler from Minnesota, Lake Wobegon? Anybody ever heard of that? Minnesota people. All right. Now, there's this town, Lake Wobegon, that Garrison Keillor talks about on all his show and, and this thing that he does, the downtown St. Paul, Minneapolis. I forget which one he does at, some, at the university or something. And, and, and he describes the people living in, in Lake Wobegon. And, and what he says, it's where it's where all the women are strong and all the men are good looking. And all the children are above average. Yeah, just love that. It's actually led to what <clears throat> what's described as the Lake Wobegon effect, where, where we overestimate how good we really are. You know, <laughs> there, there was a study where, listen to this, where one million, an actual study, one million high school students were asked how they got along with their peers, and none of them rated themselves below average. 60% said they were in the top 10%, and 25% put themselves in the top 1%. Now, just so you don't, you know, like, be too hard on students, there was a similar study done of college professors. Got any college professors here? Raise those hands high, and then you're going to wish you didn't. Okay, <laughs> here, here, you know, here's, here's the result of that study. Oh, the, uh, only 2%... Rated themselves below average in getting along with their peers. 10% said they were average. 63% claimed to be above average. And 25% said they were exceptional. No, I don't think so. Okay, tr- truth be known, everybody, all right? I'm guessing we're all challenged, not only to this whole thing of being humble, but I think we're challenged in being able to identify how humble or unhumble we are. And I made up that word, unhumble. Isn't that cool? Unhumble. All right. Now, it's only more challenging as you and I live in a world that that really doesn't encourage us to be humble these days. When when we you, when you and I seek to live what the Bible describes as humility, we have the wind of culture in our in our face. And I think it's always been that way. In fact, you can go all the way back to. Roman Greek society back then and that, that very word humility, man, they wouldn't want that word to be identified with them. They would think that's only something for somebody who's a slave, somebody who's got to do it, who doesn't have a choice. And you know what? I think what was true then is often true today. People stare at, at the biblical concept of humility the way a cow stares at a new gate. Isn't that profound? <laughs> Did anybody get that? What cows don't like gates? You know, like Newgate. Gate? Ha, won't stop me. You know that kind of thing. I just thought it was pretty good. Okay, now all right. Here's here's a quote. Uh, 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 what somebody wrote on the trends in our culture, and they said this. I love this. Humility has come under attack in our society over the last few decades. Self-effacement has become identified with conformity and self-repression. A different ethos came to the fore, which sociologists have called expressive individualism. Instead of being humble before God in history, now in our society, salvation is found through intimate contact with oneself. Do you love that? Intimate contact with oneself. And by exposing the beauty and the power and even the divinity from within. Here, here's why I'm saying all of this, okay? I, I want to emphasize, I think it's so important that you and I Understand the challenge that we have within ourselves to be humble. Everything in us resists that. You know, man, we can I can stand up here and talk about being humble, but when when the rubber meets the road, when it comes right down to that opportunity where it's somebody else or me who gets, you know, everything in me wants me to get it. You know, it's recognizing my struggle within myself. And it's also recognizing that we're not going to get a lot of support from the world we live in to be humble. we got to know that because what it does, it helps us understand how much we depend on God. I mean, we just do. We're the same. Okay? So we got to keep this in front of ourselves. I need God. Okay? So we're going to look at three things that Paul shows us about humility. Those three, I'll let you read them. Okay, let's begin with humility or the reason for humility go back to chapter 1 verse 27 in this whole verse he writes whatever happens conduct yourself in a manner worthy of the gospel of christ and then he said this then whether i come and see you or only hear <clears throat> only hear about you in my absence i will know that you stand firm in one spirit contending as one man for the faith of the gospel. What, what Paul is hoping to see in the Philippians is that they're standing strong in their commitment to Jesus Christ and he knows that what it's going to take is for them to be united and devoted to each other and okay so that's what he's saying in that verse now I gotta tell everybody I think Paul was into sports he was, he was always using athletic terms to make his point, and he does, he does that right here. And, and so the phrase contending with one man is a Greek word from which we get our English word athlete. But what's interesting about that, it's a compound word. And so it's not that he's talking about just one, one athlete. He's talking about athletes together. He's talking about more than one athlete, athlete, a group of athletes together. So let me ask you, if you have a group of athletes together, what do you have? Well, no. Yeah, you do. But you have a, what do you call them? A team. All right. You have a team. Okay. So what this means for us is that we're a team, okay? All of us together contending for the faith of the gospel. We're Competing together for the truth about Jesus Christ to be made known to a spiritually lost world. We want the gospel to win in people's lives. That's the goal we have in front of us. Super Bowl number, I think it's number 46, is just around the corner, February 5th. And by the way, not a good night for Tebow last night. (laughs) It gave him the opportunity to practice, you know, what he said, that it's, it's not, it's what happens on the football field doesn't define him. That was, last night was a good night for that, for that statement, okay? All right. Here's the deal with football. Even though each player has a different role, they all understand that they've got to be running the same play at the same time for the same goal if they're going to win the game. That's what they've got to do over and over again. And that's what Paul said in verse 27, and he pretty much repeats himself when you get into chapter 2, verse 1, when he goes right on to say this. He said, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, and by the way, the word, that little word, if there, that, that's not just like ify-iffy, iffy, if kind of deal. What, what, it, what he's really saying by that word, if it is true, and we know it is. And so we would read it this way if you have any encouragement from united with Christ, and we know we do, and if there's any comfort from his love, when we know there is, and if there's any fellowship with the Spirit, and we know there is, and if you've experienced God's tenderness and compassion, and we know we all have, then, and he goes right out in verse 2, he said, then make, and here's the same statement again as in chapter, in chapter 1, make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one, in spirit and purpose, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourself. Okay? Paul's saying because we've received all of this, encouragement and comfort and fellowship and tenderness and compassion from God, we should be like-minded. We should have the same love. We should be one in spirit and purpose. And, and it's it's after saying all of this then that he tells us he tells us what it's going to take for you and I to be this way, to live this way in relationship with each other. And he said it's going to take each one of us humbling ourselves. And what we discover is that the humility he's talking about is us being convinced that life's not about ourselves life's about us serving others not a small deal everybody not a small deal because people are watching us all the time and and at the top of their list they're they're watching to see how much we're into ourselves or how much we're into caring for other people in fact they're watching to see how, how well we care for one another Now, let's see what it means then to be humble. And I just realized I read those two verses ahead of time. Let's read them again. Can we do that? Verse 3 and 4. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourselves. Each of you should look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. Paul, first of all, tells us what not to do, and then he tells us what to do. On one side of this, there's selfish ambition and vain conceit, both driving us to focus on ourselves. And then on the other side of that, there's this thing of humility, which inspires us to focus on the interests of others. And, you know, I don't think I need to say a lot about that. I think we all know what it means to have ambition. I mean, ambition's a good thing, right? Unless it's just ambition to see what we can get for ourselves and do for ourselves. And then there's conceit. And you know what conceit is? Conceit is ego gone crazy. This is someone who's, who's full of themselves. If it's ever all about self, this is it. And, and you know what? Any one of us could go this way with life. I mean, easily. Right? Right? I mean, it's easy, isn't it? And when we do this, we're not competing with a team. We're just competing for ourselves and we're not contending with anyone for the good of others. What we are is we're contentious with everyone for our own good. We're we're consumed with ourselves. Humility does the opposite. It doesn't mean that we don't have ambition. It doesn't mean we we think poorly of ourselves. Humility is simply caring more about the needs and the concerns of others than we are for our own. I mean... Boy, easy to say, though, right? Hard to do. I think uh, C.S. Lewis said it as well as any, anything I've ever read, and I'm sure you've read this at some point in a book. He's been quoted many times with this. He, he said, true humility is, is not thinking less of yourself or thinking more of yourself. It's thinking of yourself less. Isn't that good? You see, humility is self-forgetfulness. Remember the cruise ship battleship uh, deal I talked with you last Sunday and it's been fun to hear that you've had lots of conversations about that. You know, One of the things that I've heard that people love about being on a cruise is that you've got people serving you all the time. Anybody have been on one so you know what I'm talking about? Man, they're just waiting is what I hear. you got people just waiting all the time to, to meet all of your wants. Not your needs, your wants. I mean, your needs are taken care of. I mean, it's like... You got enough food on a cruise, I hear like you never have to eat again, you know. But just like, I mean, people, that, that, that sounds like a good deal to me, I'm really. Getting served all the time. You know? Um here's one of the problems about us thinking that the Christian life is like being on a cruise ship. It gives us the wrong grid of expectations. It, It makes it so easy for us to think that life is all about others serving us. And the irony of this is some of the most miserable people in the world are consumed with themselves while the most joy-filled people spend little time thinking about themselves and a lot of time thinking about other people. I'm guessing this is even true on a cruise. I'm I'm guessing that there are some miserable people on a cruise sometimes. and, And you know how they get so miserable? They're never satisfied. They never get served enough. They always find something to complain about. Here's a thought, okay? Isn't it true that we don't think about our elbows or our knees or our toes unless something goes wrong with them? right? When's the last time you thought about your toes? Anybody? I got to tell you, I, I have not thought about my toes for a long, long time until last Sunday afternoon when I was at Lifetime Fitness and I accidentally dropped a 45 weight, pound weight on this foot to be specific on my big foot, my, my, my big toe. I got one big foot and one little foot. Okay. <laughs> Now, i got to tell you, I thought about my toes the rest of the time that I was at Lifetime. I thought about my toes the rest of the day. In fact, as asked Becky, as we were going to sleep, I was thinking about my toes. Oh, they hurt so much. Can't you help me? Now, you know, that kind of thing, right? Here's the deal with this. If we think a lot about ourselves, it's very likely that there's something wrong with ourselves. We have an ego problem. Ego problem that needs some fixing, right? You see, it's after saying all of this that Paul then gives the Philippians the greatest motivator to be humble. And if any one of us ever wonder if it's worth it, you know, to live this way, if, if we're at, you know, when we get into that situation and, and we've got to be the one to serve somebody else and everything in us is resisting us, well, we say, man, is it, is it, is it worth the price of doing this? And what, what, what we got to do is we got to do what Paul does for us here. He takes us to the heart of Jesus Christ, which is humility. See, see, I think the, great, the greatest thing about Jesus Christ is his humility and you know what if we're going to be great we got to be inspired to greatness and Jesus inspires us and so Paul writes this he said your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus who being in very nature God that that word nature is an interesting word or your Bible might have existing in the form of God and that's a hard word for us to get our to get our mind around and and it's it's kind of like it's kind of like the, the, the body, though, that's not even the right word, the form that Jesus Christ took in eternity before he took on a human body. The form in which he existed. What, 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 what we got to understand is that it, it's like scripture is saying it was appropriate for who he was or who he is. God. know, I, I, I think to help us get a little bit of an understanding of this, it's... You know, it's like looking out into the universe and realizing how spectacular it is. You know the, you know, and we can do that these days. And then realize that God, the God, just imagine what Jesus, the God, the one who God who, who created it. I mean, imagine if, if the universe is so spectacular, how spectacular he must look himself. Our daughter Nikki lives in Seattle, and she um, sent us said Becky and I. Picture of a sunset uh, that she saw and people saw as they were driving home. And it's a little, I wonder if we could, you know, yeah, I don't know. Anyway, the darker it is in here, the better you can see that. And she said people were stopping their cars, getting up on their roofs and taking pictures of the sunset. It was just so unusual. They had never seen one that beautiful. Just think the God who created that. Imagine what he's like. You know, good thing is Nikki didn't stop to take a picture. She just kept driving. But anyway, no. All right. No, so... So l- listen to this. Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus who being in very nature God did not consider equality with God and that's the statement of his deity that he's fully God something to be grasped, something to exploit for his own benefit but made himself nothing or your translation might be that he emptied himself. He, he laid aside all the power and the glory that had been his for eternity taking the very nature of a servant being made in human likeness. He willingly put himself within the confines of a human body and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. It doesn't get any lower than that. Dying on a cross, unless you die, you take on yourself the sin of mankind and you die on the cross. It doesn't get any lower than that. So here's where to go whenever we ask ourselves whether or not humility is too high a price to pay. We go to this passage, we go to the cross of Jesus Christ. And then Paul finishes, and I love this. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place. And gave him the name that is above every name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And, and every tongue, every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Ah, oh, yeah. So first things first. First things first. The same two questions that I left you with last Sunday. Do you you see yourself on a cruise ship or a battleship? And second question is, how do you define your life? What are you living for? What's, What's more important to you than anything else? What's the one thing that makes your life worth living, regardless of what happens? Answer those questions right. And then you're ready. For humility. Let's pray. Oh God. We all come before you this morning. And I stand in front of the line. And we say God. We are so incapable in ourselves. Of doing this. We just can't do it in our own strength. We don't even want to do it in our own strength. And so God we ask that your spirit will fill us. And strengthen us and help us, God, to be humble. Every time we're given that choice to take the right one for your glory. Amen. Okay, Jeff's going to explain how you can get into a life group. Great. Okay. Thanks, Steve.